Welcome to the Proclaim Podcast, where we sit down with missionary disciples and talk all things around sharing Jesus with others. Our hosts are Brett Powell, Heather Kim, Jason Jensen, Eric Chow, and Amber Zolf. So welcome back, everybody. It is wonderful to be with you again, and it's a very special day on the podcast because we have a special guest. Bishop Scott McKeg is with us today. Welcome, Bishop Scott. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. And Bishop Scott is the Bishop for the Canadian Military. Yes. And has been in this post for? About three and a half years now. Three and a half years? Yes. But Bishop Scott is wearing his true colors, BC lines there, <laughs> because he is a BC boy. I was born in uh, Vancouver Island, a little place called Duncan, and yeah. uh, grew up in the interior in Kamloops. There you go. We're going to jump right into your story, Bishop Scott, because I'd love to hear your testimony and your journey of faith. So why don't you share with us? Well, I've done this in two minutes and I've done it in, you know, two hours, but uh, just hitting the highlights, uh, I was raised in central British Columbia and Kamloops Mm. without any faith. I had been baptized uh, as a child, a Presbyterian, but faith just wasn't part of my daily life. Uh, I think I had a vague notion of something being out there but I was incredibly uncatechized. I could not have told you the difference between Jesus and Buddha and Muhammad and anybody else, you know? Um, So I didn't know the kerygma. I didn't know the basics of the faith at all. And, uh, you know, grew up with a close group of friends, um, uh, did a lot of of sports. I was a a fanatic, you know? I think Mm -hmm. if, if it was possible to join, I joined. Uh, as well as riding motorcycles and skiing all winter and uh, all that sort of thing. So faith never really entered into my uh, consciousness, even into my uh, thinking, uh, until uh, I had one event, one experience when I was about 13 years old. And the details I couldn't even tell you, but we were on a vacation out east. Uh, And now you know that us British Columbians think that out east means everything on the other side of the Rocky Mountains, right? So... But we were out there somewhere and I was driving around with my parents and uh, I looked out the window at the highway and there was a huge billboard sign and a picture of Christ crucified and a caption over the top of it, which said, dare to be a priest like me. Now I'm 13. I know nothing of the faith at all, but it struck me. It pierced me, in fact. And I remember just sitting there in the back seat trying to understand what was happening to me. I couldn't figure this out. Um, I never said anything to anyone, never had a, a conversation, anything, you know, but that came back, that image, uh, a long time later, as I'll explain. But I uh, grew up without faith. When I was 16, I had uh, a great crisis in my life. My mother uh, got cancer and uh, she eventually passed away from that. So it started to raise the big issues of life, of faith, of does God exist? Is there more to life than what we see? A few things happened around that event um, that, that made me think, okay, maybe there's, maybe there's more here than just chemical soup, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe there is something, there's some meaning, there's some purpose. Uh, I went through a great existential crisis in my first year of university. That's when the, the, the questions really began to hit home. Do I believe in God or don't I? Uh, I thought, look, if this is just a big Santa Claus in the sky, this is just a great noble lie, as they used to say, I don't want anything to do with it. But what if it's true? Mm. (laughs) What if there is a God? Uh, Shunning that reality, if he exists, is not not a great thing to do, you know? Mm. Um, 
so that led me on a search. I remember dropping uh, courses at university. I was just going to uh, a feeder university at that time in uh, Caribou College in Kamloops. But dropped courses and, and kind of focused in on this and uh, came to the conclusion that, yes, there is a God. I just couldn't get my head around the idea that there could be something without reason. Mm-hmm. Why is there something rather than nothing? And how can you have something unless it has a purpose? And there's nothing in the universe that can explain itself without a higher power bringing it into being. So I became pretty convinced about there being a God. The next question was, uh, is Jesus who he claims to be? Um, I was studying history at that time as an undergrad, so I had some idea of where to go and I had some help from friends and it became pretty clear to me that the claims of the resurrection had real value to them. Um, what really caught my attention was the idea that this is not some guru from 20 centuries ago that they laid in the tomb and is gone. He's alive and active now. I was bumping into things like the apparitions of Our Lady at Lourdes and the, you know, the, uh, the all the miracles, the medically verified miracles. Uh, came across the story of Fatima. Mm. That blew my socks off. It's it's. Uh, I remember thinking, why don't I know about this? Mm. Why isn't this on the front page of every paper in the world? This is not a God swinging in a hammock between a couple stars up there. This is not the deistic God who wound up the universe and let it go. This is a God who's involved, mm-hmm. who's got plans, who's intervening in human affairs. So along with these and other stories, I, I read some stuff on Padre Pio and uh, the miracles that followed him, sort of like the dust cloud around Pigpen in the Peanuts cartoon, you know, it's a... <laughs> Everywhere he went and everything he did. So I became very convicted that, that yes, in fact, Jesus was who he claimed to be. This brought me to the third question, which was, so where do I find him? Mm. Uh, my family had come out of the Protestant tradition, you know, I think considering itself either Calvinist or Anglican, one of the two. Um, I came across a statistic somewhere along the line that there was 30,000 different denominations. <laughs> really? How do I deal with this? Yeah. You know, uh, I'm reading in the New Testament, one faith, one church, one baptism, and there's 30,000 denominations. Mm. Uh, the friends I knew and was hanging around with uh, disagreed on really, really important matters. First of all, I have to say I was impressed with them all. They all had sincere faith. They were beautiful mm. people. They were trying to serve God and love God, and I was really impressed by them. And they all had good answers for why they believed what they believed. They all went to the scriptures. They all could argue coherently their position. But as I say, some of these positions were very contradictory. Is water baptism necessary for salvation? You just need to call on the name of Jesus. Mm. Is that a piece of bread Mm. that we break as a symbolic action of the breaking of Jesus and pass it around and eat it? Or is this the body, blood, soul, and divinity of the Lord himself? I mean, these are huge, huge questions. So I was quite confused and I, I admit rather discouraged to begin with. It's how do I, how do we resolve this, you know? But eventually I came to notice something. Uh, actually, it was someone who pointed it out to me, but each and every one of these traditions was essentially claiming the same thing, that they were being faithful to what the earliest Christians believed and everybody else somehow got off track a little bit somewhere mm. along the line. Well, now as someone studying history, you've just given me the ticket. Mm. Now I understand what I have to do. I have to find out what it was that the earliest Christians believed. And that led me to the Apostolic Fathers. Mm. So for those who aren't familiar, familiar, we call the Apostolic Fathers those 
people who learned the faith from the apostles themselves, from one of the twelve. So um, St. Ignatius of Antioch, who learned the faith from uh, the Apostle John. Um, uh, Irenaeus of Lyon, who learned his faith from Polycarp, who learned it as well from, from, from John. St. Clement of Rome, who knew Peter and Paul, and on it goes. Well, I started reading what they wrote. I read their letters and was pretty surprised by what I found. I found that they believed in apostolic succession that to be a legitimate successor to the apostles, you had to have your hands laid on you in the invocation of the Holy Spirit by one of the apostles or their successors. There was bishops, priests, and deacons in very clear roles of hierarchy and service. Um, I discovered they, they prayed for the dead, just like their Jewish forefathers. I was told that was a medieval Catholic invention, you know? Mm. Um, so devotion to the martyrs, devotion to the saints was there early on. Uh, their belief in the real presence was absolutely certain. I came across a line that just about knocked my socks off. You know, the same flesh that hung that, that was in the womb of the Blessed Virgin that hung upon the cross is now sacramentally in mystery present in the Eucharist. Mm. Okay, well, mm. um, and even the idea that the Bishop of Rome is in some way um, leading in charity all the other churches, you know, that was there. So um, eventually I, I had to surrender and say, I, I can't dispute the fact that the early church was the Catholic church. And um, once that decision was made or once that conclusion was reached, there was no question. I, I knew I had to become Catholic. And so mm -hmm. I entered RCIA and drove a couple priests crazy with my <laughs> questions for a better part of a year and uh, became Catholic in 1987, mm -hmm. April 18th, Holy Vigil, Holy Saturday Vigil. Um, but as you can tell, my, my journey was largely uh, intellectual. Mm. I'm one of those guys who knowing the truth about things is really important. Um, but there was a hunger that was growing in me. I began to realize that this one who is true and good and beautiful, um, there's an ache in me for something bigger. There's an ache in me that wants so much more than anything this world can give. And that began to grow. The more I looked, the more I searched, the more I became familiar uh, with the gospel and with uh, the message of salvation and the beauty uh, of the church and her history. And um, yeah, it, it continued to grow. And it was shortly after, in fact, I was confirmed that I had a first, I would say, my real encounter with Jesus. Uh, mm -hmm. A group um, known as the National Evangelization Teams came rolling through the city and... Uh, even before I was Catholic, I was leading the youth group at the uh, Cathedral Parish in Kamloops. Wow. And so, I, you know, I would teach them the stuff I learned the day before, you know. And, uh, <laughs> um, like most youth great. ministers. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, guys. I that. Uh, so I, I dragged my youth group to this net retreat, and it was an amazing experience. And uh, afterwards, they asked if I wanted to join the team for prayer. And I did that. And uh, I had heard of uh, charismatic expression of worship before. Mm -hmm. But I was unfamiliar with it, and I was very uncomfortable at first. Um, but, you know, I opened my hands a little bit, and I started muttering Our Fathers and Hail Marys, and uh, and I had uh, the experience of what we call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Nobody laid a hand on me, but I encountered in my heart in a way that has changed my life, is the watershed moment of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I encountered the living Christ, the risen Jesus, 
And that faith that was developed in my head and was germinating in my head really found anchor in my heart uh, in that moment, you know. So those hungers, those desires that I was experiencing, they found their source and their fulfillment. Mm. So that's the short form. There's much more that could be said, but... Uh, no, I'm on the edge of my seat. I'm like, just yeah, no, kidding. <laughs> keep going. I'll stay here keep all going. afternoon. Well, I should bring it back full around because uh, I, I started with the story of my uh, seeing that sign yes. on the highway, Dare to be a priest like me. Right. Uh, after I finished NETA, I, had, um, I was seeing someone very seriously, a beautiful young Catholic lady, and I, we were talking marriage and... But every time I went to Mass, there was a whole, it was burning a hole in my heart, you know, and and uh, I was trying to fight it. I was trying to say no. I was trying to leave it aside. But finally, I found myself at this point. I was going to the University of Victoria. Mm-hmm. I found myself in the cathedral parish and kneeling in front of the Blessed Sacrament, saying, "Okay, Lord, I acknowledge it. I'm finally willing to admit it. You're calling me to the priesthood, or at least you're inviting me to consider it. But uh, you know." Uh, things are going pretty good for me here, you know. <laughs> I got yeah. plans, and uh, so, you know, thanks, but uh, no thanks. Mm. But I left the door open. Mm. I said, if you really want me to do this, yeah. you got to speak to me. And you got to speak to me in a way that I'll really know and understand it's you. And uh, it has to be deeply personal. And so I leave it with you, and I'm, I'm, I'm heading out of here, you know, uh, living my life. So the ball's in your court, Lord. Mm-hmm. I genuflected, I got up, I walked to the back of the church, and I opened a copy of the BC Catholic magazine, and there was that picture of the crucified Christ with the words, dare to be a priest like me. It was the anniversary edition of Father Sean O'Sullivan's vocational advertising campaign. Wow. And I had completely forgotten about it until that moment. So my heart's in my throat. Yeah. Hair standing on end. And uh, within a week, I was on the phone with uh, Father Bob Bedard, who mm-hmm. is beginning a new community of priests in Ottawa, uh, Canada. And uh, within a couple months, I was living there. You know, so. Wow. There we go. That's amazing. I there- will never look at those billboards in Chilliwack and surrounding area the same way again. They have power to <laughs> transmit. That is a beautiful story. I don't know if I've ever heard that. Wow. Known your years and years and years, but that full circle coming back, opening that up. I don't know if I've ever heard that story. Okay. That is beautiful. God's providence, you know, he's planting seeds in our lives that won't bear fruit for decades, you know. He's way ahead of us in Mm -hmm. terms of his loving designs, his providence, his plans. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, or leave a review. We'd love to hear what you think.